Jesus is the great physician and wonderful counselor. Can I have any others? Can Jesus and pills coexist? Welcome to Beggar and Bread. The Christian life is one of many joys and many sorrows. In America today, it may seem common to believe that being a Christian means never struggling with depression, anxiety, or any mental illness, or at least that if you did struggle with that before, after you find Christ, that those things will go away. That is simply not the case. God has set in place many good things to help the believer get better and find peace while dealing with mental illness. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So this will be episode one of a two-part series. The first episode is called Jesus and Pills. We'll be talking about how Christians should be able to deal with mental illness in a way that covers a medical standpoint, in a way that addresses the spiritual state of the believer and how those play out. So I'll give a really personal story about all of this and how it plays into my life and what I've learned. And then we'll just kind of draw it to some conclusions about how Jesus and pills or Jesus and therapy can coexist. In fact, that God has set it in place and what the Bible says about that. The second part of the series will be called Suicide and Heaven. That will probably be a more intense episode, but definitely one of the most important ones that I will release. And that will talk about the really pressing question, if a believer commits suicide, will they go to heaven? It'll be a really interesting series, but first let's talk about Jesus and pills. Throughout history, many great reformers of the faith great preachers in history have struggled with depression or other mental illness. The most notable, of course, is probably Charles Spurgeon, considered the prince of preachers. He himself struggled with depression. Another notable one would be C.S. Lewis on his struggle with connecting his heart with his mind in the book A Grief Observed. So it's not uncommon to see that Christians struggle with some sort of depression, some sort of mental illness, and we can learn a lot from how they dealt with it, and we can also learn a lot from what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 11 and 15 both talk about counselors and guidance and how that is helpful for the Christian. It says this, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15 says, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. So what does that mean in terms of mental illness? Well, I think it's appropriate to cross-reference those verses with other verses in the Bible. Galatians 6, 1 through 2 are very notable verses. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. 
Verse 2 says this, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it's clear that accountability, counseling, and advice are vital for the Christian life. I'm sure that all of you have a good understanding that you can't live this Christian life alone, but rather that you should seek out help and encouragement from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So it's very clear that praying for one another Confessing sins to one another and coming to each other for counsel is very vital in the Christian life. That should be no different with people with mental illness. In fact, it should probably be even more present. This is where it gets a little personal, and I will tell you a little bit of my story dealing with things like this. I wish that I could say I had no personal attachment to this topic, I wish that I could say that I was coming from a completely objective position when talking about this and the following episode. But as we can all understand, that is not the case with any topics. I see the world through a biblical worldview, but I also come with a personal history. My experiences also shaped my worldview and my thoughts on certain issues, and that's the case with this. So I won't get into the entire specific history that I have with mental illness, but I'll tell you what you need to know. I have struggled personally with depression and or anxiety to the degree of suicidal thoughts and actions for almost 10 years. It started when I was young and it carried over and got worse because personally, I believed and I kept telling myself that as a Christian, I shouldn't struggle with something like this. As a Christian, I should be able to just get over it and get past it by finding joy in Jesus Christ. In my first semester at Liberty University, I ended up going to a free counseling session because it was offered on campus and talking to them about my struggles. They recommended that I go and get some blood work done and found out that I actually have a chemical imbalance in my brain that causes depression. And furthermore, I have a severe vitamin D deficiency, which means that those two paired together give me chronic depression from a medical standpoint. Now, there are many things in my life that have contributed to that mental illness from a trauma standpoint and other things as well. But that's what you need to know is that I thought for so long that I should just be able to get past it by myself or with friends. Now, as we go on in this this conversation, we will probably find out that that's not always the case. But that's what you need to know right now, that personally, I feel adequate to talk about this subject from a personal standpoint and from a biblical standpoint, having researched it and thought about it for my own personal experience and for my own personal growth. In order to understand the source of depression, anxiety, and any other mental illness, just like a physical illness, we have to understand the results of the fall. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve took of the fruit and ate it and sinned against God. That resulted in many things, such as man toiling and working all the days of his life just to make money or food to provide for his family. 
It also resulted in women struggling in childbirth. The pains of childbirth are from the fall. In the same way, depression, anxiety, mental illnesses, they come as a product of the fall as well. So in order to understand what true healing is, we have to understand what the fall did. As people in a fallen world, we live suffering the consequences of sin, of our own sin or of other people's sins. So it's clear that these things can contribute to being downcast, like the psalmist says, and having a state of sadness, sorrow, or even severe depression. Now, this is important because in the Bible, so many times in the New Testament, Christ refers to himself as a physician. In Isaiah 61, it prophesies that Jesus Christ is the one who comes to bind up, to heal the brokenhearted, to heal the downcast in spirit. Psalm 147 talks about this as well, saying that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So this talks about Jesus and the Godhead as the great physician. What that means is in an eternal perspective that all things will be healed. If you look at the book of Revelation, if you look at the things that are coming for us as believers, we do believe in complete restoration, Removal of all things that are a result of sin. We do believe in the complete removal of the consequences for sin and of sin itself. So what does that mean now? As Christians, there is this struggle between the now and the not yet. Is a theological concept called the already not yet, things that are already happening but not yet brought to completion. A good example is salvation itself. We are saved from the punishment of sin. We don't have to die for our sin. We're not yet saved from the consequences of sin. If we sin, there are still consequences. If others sin against us, we still feel consequences. But we do know that that is coming. That's on the horizon that that restoration will be saved from all aspects of sin, that it will be completely removed from this earth and eradicated. The same goes with sorrows, that we have ample cause to rejoice in the hope that is set before us, and yet we also have justifiable reasons to be downcast at times, to mourn. So it seems that the idea behind the great physician is this, that he's healing and he's not done healing. He's healing me from my depression and anxiety and I'm getting better, but it's not complete yet and I can't wait for it to be complete. Knowing that that time I will be in the presence of the Father, I will be in the presence of the Son seated at the right hand of God, And I'll have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside me and there will be perfect harmony once again with man and God the way that he intended it. So what does that mean now? That means that while we don't have the complete presence of God as God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we do have the presence of the Holy Spirit to encourage us. Romans 8.26 does say that we have a comforter. In fact, John chapter 16 says that it is good that Jesus left so that we would have a comforter, so that we would have the Holy Spirit with us at all times. Now, as God who, in James 1, is the source of all good things, every good and perfect thing comes from him, we know that medicine 
counseling, therapy, accountability, brother and sisterhood for the church is all something that stems from God's goodness and something that shouldn't be rejected or ignored or thought of as unnecessary, but rather that they can coexist. In fact, that Jesus himself placed those things graciously in our lives to bring about a better peace in the midst of struggling with the already, not yet. Biblically and theologically, it makes sense that it would be okay to struggle with depression while being in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you can be lazy about it and that you can be a person without hope. But like Paul says, we can struggle, but not without hope. We know that this is only for a time. But in the time being, God has given us tangible resources to combat this depression, anxiety, and mental illness. So friends, fellow beggars, I hope that you don't reject the necessity of therapy and medication and things that your fellow brothers and sisters need. I pray that you be aware of those around you who might be struggling with it and be a shoulder for them to cry on. I want to be someone that you can come to if you ever feel like you have anything that you need to say to someone, if you need any encouragement, I want to be that for the church. And also, I want you to know that therapy is okay. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. Medication is okay. You shouldn't be ashamed to take it. Just know when you do that complete restoration is coming. Greater healing is coming. Complete healing is coming through Jesus Christ. And I can't wait for that day. This will be an amazing, triumphant day where all sorrow, all tears, all pain, they're all laid aside at the feet of Christ. That all sin is eradicated and complete unity is had once again between God and man. Friends, fellow beggars, I hope that this episode has been challenging to you and encouraging to you. Be sure to tune in for part two coming next week, talking about suicide and heaven. It will be a heavy topic, but one that I feel is necessary to talk about. Until next time, friends and fellow beggars, I hope you are well. 